LightSource is available free of charge through studiolighting.net. You can support LightSource by visiting supportlightsource.com. There you can donate through the tip jar, purchase a lighting DVD, get a discount on website hosting through squarespace.com, or you can visit our affiliate links for Adorama or amazon.com where you can shop for camera gear or photography books, and a portion of those proceeds will help support LightSource. Hi, this is Dave Hill, and you're listening to LightSource Podcast. And welcome to episode 85 of LightSource, the official podcast of StudioLighting.net, the website introducing photographers to portrait and studio lighting equipment and techniques. I'm Bill Crawford, publisher. And I'm Ed Hidden, exclusive photographer with iStockphoto.com. On today's episode, we have an interview with Dave Hill. He joins us again and talks to us a little bit about what's been going on since his last show. It's been, what did he say, a little bit over a year? Yep. And a big shift in Dave Hill's style, so that's going to be cool. We've also got a guest with us during the intro here. James Madlin has joined us again from Orbis Splash. Hey, guys. Hi, James. We're just going to talk a little bit about the contest that we have that's going on, but we'll do that toward the end of the intro right before the interview. In the meantime, anything interesting going on in the photography world for you guys? Well, there was the Kelby Worldwide Photo Walk. I don't know if any of you got a chance to head out to any of those. I didn't get a chance to go out. Did you go? I I had every intention to, but... um, (laughs) I wasn't going to (laughs) be, I I wanted to go to the one, there were like two of them or three of them in our local area here, but unfortunately I was on vacation that week. Right. I was going to be in Hilton Head for the week, so I had tried to find the local one. The person that was organizing it had a problem with the website. He got locked out and I think there were a couple people that had signed up for it, but the organizer wasn't able to get back in and post any updates as to what was actually going to go on. So it, it ended up not being a scheduled event and then it ended up being our travel home day. So as a compromise, I got up early, ate breakfast and went out by myself and had a photo walk. Nice. Yeah, that's kind of what I did. I I shot that day, but I didn't get to go out and hang out with other photographers because of the way my schedule worked out. Still very cool event. And there's a lot of really good, good images that came out of that too. A lot of fun was had. So do you guys post your photo walks to Flickr? Yep, that's where I posted mine. I think I had Facebooked them and Twittered them as well. Very cool. cool stuff. Well, Nikon had some big news this month. Well, actually, just today or yesterday, as we're recording this episode, the new D300S has been released, and they've added video to one of their more popular bodies, the D300. So that was pretty good stuff. Now, I was going to say, insert Ed making fun of it here, but I'll... (laughs) (laughs) The Canon side of me wants to to poke a little fun at saying that it's only 720p. But, I mean, 720p is really good video. I mean, it's so much higher quality than standard definition. Right. So, I mean, it's really cool to see that Nikon's still bringing more and more of these, you know, SLRs out with the video option. It keeps getting me to feel like I want to push the, the flip video guy aside and, and get into like some of those bigger stuff. But I'm, I'm having so much fun with this little portable thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes it's just, it's just more fun to, to deal with something that's dedicated to video, but it's still exciting. It's going to be a really nice DSLR. And uh, they released two lenses too. One of them's a new version of their 70 to 200, which is their VR2. I guess their vibration reduction is getting even better. I read one place where Nikon's claiming that you could actually shoot with up to four shutter speeds slower than you normally would with handheld lenses. So that's that's pretty wow. cool. I can think of some situations where I wouldn't mind having that. <laughs> 
Or you can shoot at your normal shutter speed and drink four cups of coffee. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> I kind of sit on both sides of the fence because my first ever camera was a Canon, and I've basically been a Canon shooter for years. And I noticed that 720p thing, but what I really love about those Nikon bodies is the CLS right out of the box. You know, the pop-up flash on the new D300S will fire, you know, SB800s and SB900s wirelessly, and it just is such a cool capability. <laughs> That's a really good point. That is a big feature. That's just a, something that's amazing. Saves folks a lot of money on remote triggering systems and so forth if they, uh, if they can pull that off. Just as a little aside, I don't know whether you guys saw, but there was this really cool article by Sil Arena a few weeks ago, which was my Canon Speedlight wish list. I don't know if any of you guys saw that, but it was just a really nice, very uh, level-headed rant, I guess, about what Canon should be doing on their flash systems. No, I did not see that, but that might be something interesting for our listeners. That's very cool. Yeah, it's really nice, really nice. I mean, I think it's one of these things a lot of people have been thinking for a while, and he just distilled it really nicely and obviously has a lot more authority than a lot of people, and and so it got quite a lot of people chiming in with a hell yeah. It was really good. Very cool, (laughs) very cool. Well, just real quick, a couple of things that are going on on StudioLighting.net side of things. Uh, One is we've been using our Twitter account in kind of a cool way. Last week, I tried it for the first time, and it looks like it's going to stick around. But we're doing Friday lighting deals. So each Friday, I'm going to scour the Internet for the best deals on lighting equipment and stuff that can be used in the studio. And basically, you know, every half hour, hour throughout the day, we're tweeting a new deal. So that's something if you're not already a Twitter follower and you like to get deals on, on camera stuff, which we all do. That might be worth following us at twitter.com slash studio lighting. Also, Mark Wallace is working on the next episode of Digital Photography One-on-One, which is our video series on lighting and studio stuff. And Mark's doing an outstanding job with those. This next episode is going to be a monster episode, to use Mark's word. And he's actually recording it all on how to use single light sources. So he's going to try all different kinds of modifiers and so forth, but only one light. And I think that's going to be a great show. So keep your eye on that. Mark's also Mark's also putting up little updates from his iPhone as they do the actual development of the episode. So that's something worth checking out at Snap Factory's website too. So James, is there any news on your side of things? Yeah, just for, we've been getting a, a lot of emails from Orbis shooters over the last sort of five or six months. Really, really keen for a couple of accessories, and and these were things that particularly one of them that I'd already had. In the pipeline now some of the people have been following our story quite closely on the newsletter and on the blog but i guess so the big news for me is we've just signed off some really exciting designs we're just putting finishing touches to a couple of things like uh, packaging and, and that sort of thing and and i'm about to pull the trigger on some manufacturing of something that a lot of orbis shooters have been waiting for so if you keep a close eye on on the blog at orbisflash.com over the next two or three weeks then we're just kind of gearing up for a little bit of an announcement which should get some people quite excited outstanding oh, cool. i know that's very unspecific but um but you'll, you'll see why at the time you know <laughs> i don't want to don't want to say too much now <laughs> very cool well, well we'll make sure we put links in the podcast notes so that people can check out those places and learn more about that cool we can let a- the speculating begin yep let the that's right <laughs> i suppose one other thing that i thought was interesting that was news this week is that light panels won a primetime emmy award for their lighting equipment i don't know if you saw that Oh, wow. But uh, I guess they use light panels, fixtures on a lot of television shows and so forth. And actually, they gave them an Emmy Award for their equipment. So that was just kind of a unique, strange thing that I saw in the news this week. Cool. That gives me something to aim for. That's right. That's right. You can have yourself an Emmy, an Academy Award there, uh, for that. <laughs> the first time they ever awarded it to a lighting technology company. So 
maybe it's a trend. That, that's so cool. <laughs> well, we should probably discuss the contest that we have going on with the Orbis folks and uh, what we're planning to do here. I know we talked about announcing a winner probably at this podcast, but James, you want to just kind of discuss what our plan is at this point, where we are with things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we, we've been working through a lot of the entries and, and uh, taking a close look at them. And as ever, you know, the, the standard is, is pretty high. And uh, of course, it left us having quite a long drawn out conversation about, you know, who we'd shortlist, who would be the finalist. So we've basically decided that the best way to choose a winner is we have uh, got a group of finalists and they're just going to be hearing from us over the next couple of days with a tie breaking question. And then that will a clear winner will arise is the plan. So yeah, that's something that we'll be announcing on the next edition. Outstanding. So stay tuned to Light Source for the winner, and we'll obviously notify you our finalists in the next couple of days. So good job for everyone that participated. We want to thank all of you guys for doing a great job. Some really amazing images, and you made it really hard for us. So way to go. Well, speaking of someone that knows their way around a ring flash, we have an interview here with Dave Hill, and he'll talk a little bit about his lighting style and what he's been doing, and we get to catch up with him. this edition of The Light Source, we have back with us previous guest, Dave Hill, one of our popular guests that we had on the show. And it's always great to talk to you, Dave. It's been a little bit since we spoke with you. What's been happening? Uh, yeah, it's been, I guess, over a year. I've since moved to Los Angeles. I took five years in Nashville and I'm finally done. So I'm back to uh, Southern California. So that was a, the big change last year and that was August. And since then, I guess I've been here trying to, uh, I guess, kind of redefine my style and Kind of get away from the, the Dave Hill effect. Like, um, <laughs> I, I was curious. You're so well known for the you know, you know all these flicker groups and you know everyone kind of dissecting your style and stuff. Has that been the big push behind trying to like reinvent your style? Um, I think from a, a personal level, yeah. It's just uh, I, I don't want to be associated with you know Sharping and Lucas Arts and all that stuff and HDR. And I never did, and I think I'm just kind of sick of that. You know, it seems like I was so oversaturated that it felt like to get you know to get jobs and kind of redefine my style, I would need to leave that behind and, and try to go a different direction. As much as um, my clients would let me, you know, it's always the case. But yeah, so that's kind of been my mission this year. Yeah. So when you decide to make a change like that, where do you start? How do you go about um, doing? That? I, I simply started shooting a lot of stuff with less light. Okay. I would, you know, I would, I would just ditch the rear lights first of all on a lot of stuff, and just kind of, I love just focusing on the key light and kind of seeing where I could go with that. Making that, you know, as cool and dramatic and a lot more offset than I used to as well. So yeah, I mean, I just lighting style is the first thing I've just started to switch up a little bit. Just you know, worrying about big key light, less rear light, and uh, kind of more simple setup, I guess. Has that been challenging, or have you enjoyed it? You know, honestly, I love it. I mean, it's just, first of all, on an equipment level and assistant level, it's a lot easier right. just to shoot. You don't need, you know, three guys in the back and extra lights going and stuff. But yeah, it's just been fun to kind of think of things, not through the lens of, I need four lights no matter what, and let's just make it work here. But you know, with one light source, you can kind of just think, okay, where's the sun coming from? Or where do I want my one big light coming from? And I don't know, I think you can get stuff looking a lot more classic that way. And yeah, honestly, I just was so sick of four lights that... <laughs> I'm just glad to, you know, not get good reception from stuff that isn't only four lights. So that's been encouraging too. Excellent. If folks wanted to see some of the stuff that you've been experimenting with, is there any of it on your website? There's 
time on the first portfolio page, I have, let me try to think here. There's a couple portraits. One of Martha McIsaac. We did that with, I think it was actually three lights, but it's supposed to look like it's one light. And then also that Adventure Girl series I did. I, you know, try to kind of back off the real lights in those. And if I had them, I only had maybe one. Wow. Or, you know, it wasn't always just four, four lights no matter what. I try to kind of keep it like one light source and kind of make everything feel like it's coming from one direction. Those are amazing. We both love the Girl on Adventure series. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you can't call it Adventure Girl. The, uh, the real Adventure Girl, I found out, emailed us and said that we can't use her name. So <laughs> I guess it's some lady who uh, does this thing and has a website. So I'm like, wow. all right, it's Girl on Adventure. Who <laughs> 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 knew you can copyright? It's such a simple thing. But I mean, I spent all last year doing lots of black and white stuff, some kind of single, smaller personal projects. So that was kind of like my last year raw for a while to kind of showcase what I'm capable of, showcase how far post productions come and try to get some uh, new clients out here in L.A. So Excellent. Now, are you still doing a lot of composite work or you know, doing different pieces of the scene and putting them together? Yeah, and I feel like when I say this, my style changed. I guess lighting's changed, but you know, compositing hasn't changed as much. Right. It's actually getting worse. I feel like now that you know, just time's gone by and I'm kind of settled into my career a little bit more, I just feel like you know, I either want to like work for hours and hours and make the best composite possible, or I kind of just want to shoot it on film, black and white, and just have a lot of fun with it. Wow. And the stuff in between just seems more and more painstaking, not as exciting, just kind of tedious, I guess. That right. makes any sense. Yeah, so you either want to go all out or, or, or keep it very simple. Two extremes. Yeah, so either one, I just have fun doing raw photography, you know, like I did back in college and like a lot of people do, and just kind of document things, not stress over lights and assistance. Or if I'm going to like do the lights to the composite, and then heck, I want to make it the best possible, That's cool. you know, and put as much <laughs> as I can into the image. But, you know, a lot of times clients, they don't have the time or the money for that. So you still have to do the kind of mediocre in-between stuff. And that, I'm just dragging my feet on those these days. Oh, I see. When you're reducing the number of lights, is that creating kind of a challenge when you go to do the composites? Are you having to think through some of that lighting environmentally a little different? Actually, a, a nice thing is, when I used to do, I was kind of starting out doing four lights and stuff. I would actually go and like light the background elements. If I had a car, I'd light it with four lights. If I had a tree, I'd light that with four lights sometimes. You know, just trying to match that, I guess, what you said, HDR type look. And I, I think now when you kind of one light things or have one light source, you can kind of just shoot natural elements as they are. You know, maybe fix the contrast a little bit, do a little dodging and burning. But other than that, you can kind of just let them look natural. And it really feels like real. I think it's actually helped me in compositing a lot, just being able to shoot elements, not to worry about tricking them out or lighting them or anything, but just right. having them in the background, you know, with the same direction of light, obviously. But Well, the word real to me is, is interesting that you picked that word because that's kind of the feel that a lot of your new images have. It, you know, really very natural, I think. I don't know if you agree, Ed, but. That's kind of. Well, I, I yeah, guess I'm yeah. trying to be a little more pretty. I guess in my work, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. I want it to look a little more soft, a little more. I don't know, interesting, moody, not so bold, action sports oriented. I mean, I do enjoy action images, but I'm trying to like be a little. I guess just softer. I guess in my work. It's really cool. It's cool how you can have a soft image that's still very gritty, like the military guys. I, yeah, even those. You know, I kind of tone those down, trying yeah. to make a little softer. I wish I'd done things differently on those, but. <laughs> But those are also just a personal project I've been wanting to do for a while. So They're amazing. Yeah, that's yeah this awesome. year a lot of spending and not much making. So hopefully this next year will be different. <laughs> <laughs> well, while you're talking about budgets and stuff, when you do, like, for instance, say this Modern Warfare series on your website, huh? how much do you put into a shoot like this? Do you invest 
several thousands of dollars and i mean do you hire yeah, models this year that... I've, I've done three or four like that and the desert storm or whatever you call it the modern warfare and the adventure series were definitely the most expensive but for those the modern warfare i got some friends who you know work for free all the costumes i had to buy just straight out of my pocket so that wasn't cheap or anything oh. and locations and stuff that was i just got stuff from the desert we shot out in the mojave so that was free so mainly that one was just paying for everybody's meals paying some assistance and paying for the costumes which did add up. And, you know, when you're stressed on money, last thing you want to do is spend money to shoot pictures. But right. when you want to shoot what you want to shoot, it's kind of the only way to do it, really. That's wild. The Adventure Girl stuff, that was a ton of fun because I mean, for me, it was the girl on Adventure stuff. Like, girl, <laughs> Adventure Girl, if you're listening to this, I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. Don't get confused at all. Adventure Female. Here we go. <laughs> Explorer Girl or something. Uh, I was just going to say, um, with that series, it was the first time I got a chance to kind of utilize Los Angeles's huge warehouses of props and costumes and stuff. Pretty close to me in North Hollywood, there's three or four big prop houses. So got to kind of scour those for hours on end, just be overwhelmed by awesome things to use and pictures and kind of got a lot of my ideas and brainstorming from just walking the aisles, you know, and kind of perusing what's available and stuff. That was a lot of fun doing that. It cost money, but right. it was fun. So you didn't come across a human skeleton on the beach and just decide to shoot that? So we were actually shooting it on the beach and we had these uh, tourists come by and I said, did you guys just find that? <laughs> No, we have lights and a lady. And it's like, clearly, we just didn't find this. It's pretty funny. but It is funny. Um, yeah, and the, the props and stuff, you know, I, I mean, I was walking by and there's like a skeleton and some cool helmets. And I was like, wow, I could rent those and use those. That'd be cool. That is really cool. That's kind of how all that thinking came about. It's Sparta at the ocean. Right? Sparta at the ocean. There you go. 300 meets Nancy Drew meets Tomb Raider. Right. I don't know. <laughs> I love the description that you said earlier about this, where you were saying about they have more of a, a softer or a real. If you would have asked me about your other work, I would have I would have called it more like a, a hyper real. Uh-huh. And it, it feels like it's pulling back a little bit more. It's still very illustrative, but it's it seems like it has a little bit more believability to it. I mean, where the other stuff was, it was great illustration, but there was always a little bit of a fantasy aspect to it. Yeah, I definitely want to take it down to a more real level, I guess. I just feel like retouching styles, you can kind of see how this kind of sweeping change, you know? I I feel like for a while there, they were everything was bright and popping, you know, whether it was the tree eight miles back or the subject, you know, they were the same kind of dynamic range and brightness. Well, I think now the trend is kind of going towards a little softer backgrounds, letting things, you know, even if you're pausing, still hazing out backgrounds right. and kind of faking that there is haze in the air and a perspective and not having everything crisp but kind of letting things fall in the background. Even if you're forcing it and faking it and compositing it, you still kind of make it look and have that kind of real aspect to it. Does that make any sense? There was an image of her crouching on the beach. There's a lot of rain drop hitting her and stuff like that. How did you pull that off? <laughs> that, that was actually an afterthought. I've never done a rain shot before, and we shot it in broad daylight, and I was kind of adding some clouds and kind of getting an overall feel for it while I was putting it together. And I just thought, you know, it needs something else. It was just too, it was too bright and just wasn't ominous enough. So I kind of threw a quick, you know, rain effect on and, and loved it. I was like, dang, that's it. Perfect. So Looks really good. I kind good. of spent more time creating the drops and did them painted them one by one and kind of put some motion blur on them and wow. made different layers of them and stuff. But very, pretty straightforward. Very intricate work. Wow. It's amazing. Yeah, that was, I just had a ton of fun. It was, it was great to, you know, not do any paid work for about a month and just spend <laughs> nonstop on my desk day after day going back and forth and kind of adding more and more and more and just building them out, you know. Most of the creativity kind of went into it after we shot it. Wow. You know, putting castles in and lightning and rain, all that stuff was thought of afterwards. I keep looking at it. I see things deeper each time. There's birds in the background on the rocks and stuff. It's just really deep image. Yeah, the, the nice thing was those birds were actually on the rock when we shot it. <laughs> oh, that's so. great. They were a freebie right there. Nice. <laughs>
And, and the lightning um, was from Arizona once a couple years ago. So wow. try to use that finally. <laughs> it's funny as you're saying this, Bill. I'm, I'm just thinking to myself that, you know, like this is something I'd love to have on my wall and just kind of like check out every now and then and see. Is there any chance that some of this personal work would turn into like poster series or something like that? You know, I thought about doing like a gallery show with this girl on an adventure. And I considered it and then I kind of got lazy and didn't do it. And I kind of wish I had. But I did some, some promo cards with these images of the whole series to set those out around. So I'm having some decent response from that so far. But gallery of posters would be awesome. I'd love to do more movie poster type things as well with this. So I definitely think this stuff gets me excited. This is the direction of photography. I, I just love, you know, telling stories, getting to work on exactly what I want to do and not have to just pay the bills week after week after week with just random, random stuff. Right. I think a lot of people can connect with that. And once you get into the grind of whatever it is that you shoot all the time and you kind of yearn for the creative side of things, that just, just looks like so much fun. Uh, do you use uh, a Syntec tablet and so forth when you're working on this stuff? Or? Actually, I bought a Syntec. Those are the ones you look at. You can see on your... Yeah. You can like draw on them pretty much. Yeah, I bought the small one last year, and I didn't like it at all, actually. I was pretty unimpressed. Have you guys tried it at all? No. I was, that's why I was wondering if, if you use that at all. or I, I've dabbled with um, one, but I've never really gotten to spend too much time with it. I'd like my regular Wacom tablet. The pen tablet. I use a regular tablet. I love it. You know, that's pretty much my best friend. But the Cintiq, I tried it. I got to have some good reviews online and everyone was loving it. So I tried it. And I, first of all, I couldn't stand having to like have two monitors set up. So all my Photoshop tools either had to be like on a different monitor or they were on that screen really small. Oh, right. That was kind of a pain, which you never think about. Two monitors, just, I don't like two monitors too much. And having to go look up and then down, up and down over right. and over again just got me a headache instantly. <laughs> And the second thing I didn't like was when you're painting him and you're kind of, you know, doing details, your pen is actually over the detail you're painting. So oh, you, yeah. you're trying to like do a fine increment detail and you're like, I can't even see my pen's over it. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I just, wow. I, it doesn't bother me at all looking at the screen than using the pen below. So I went back to that and I'm glad I did. Very cool. Let's take a couple of minutes and just talk about the black and white stuff that you've been doing because uh, to me, it's like you said, it's a really big swing in the other direction and kind of all the stuff under your personal tab just looks completely naturally lit and, and just good old-fashioned camera plus subject stuff. Is that is that pretty much what this stuff is all about? Yeah. I'd say about three years ago, maybe four years ago, I got myself a, a Leica. I've always kind of dreamed about getting one, and there was one for sale in Nashville, so I decided to go for it. And since then, it's been building more and more. But, you know, back in the days when I was working at student newspapers and stuff, we uh, used them all the time and did lots of darkroom developing. That's kind of where I got my start, and I just hadn't done too much of that in the you know, recent years. So when I got that Leica and started shooting for fun, it just kind of reminded me of the way I loved and kind of fell in love with photography in the first place. Just being able to go there with the subject of downtown Nashville and shoot for a few hours and have a blast, not worry about lights, not worry about anything, just the camera and the subject and me and him and that was it. So I guess it's kind of just a throwback to what I used to love about photography. And honestly, I haven't really got any jobs doing this yet. So it's kind of a, an experiment, I guess, to see if I can actually get some work with this style. Okay. So when you put books out and put books together for clients and so forth, are you sort of mixing it up or how are you presenting yourself in that, that way now? Um, I guess it's a good question. So far, I just actually made new portfolios when this new website went up about a month ago. And they were all digital, all color, all composite stuff. And I think my photo rep, my agent, I think she sees that my real value right now to clients that's easy to sell is the, the composite digital stuff. And I get that, you know, it makes sense to me. But... This stuff so far, I haven't used it all to market. I haven't made a portfolio of it. I haven't sent any promos out. It's just kind of like on my website, and that's it so far. Okay. 
I guess I don't have much confidence in it yet. And, you know, there's so many greats out there who have been shooting black and white forever, and that's all they do. And I just, I don't know, I guess I don't have the confidence yet to do it, but I guess I plan to soon. Yeah, I was going to say that. I just haven't done much with it yet. Some of these images are just really inspiring to me. I mean, just the simplicity of it and just removing the color and everything. It's, I mean, you're really good at this. Well, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, it's, it, is, it is fun. It's fun not having color. Honestly, you don't have to worry about color corrections or anything. It's just the shape and composition is so important in black and white, and that's about it, you know. It's very fun and liberating in a way. It frees you up and brings you on travels, you know. You don't have to shoot, the, you know, 100,000 images on a trip to Europe. You can just shoot 10, 15 rolls of, you know, one frame every place you go, and it's a lot of fun. That's cool. But yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see if I get the confidence to actually use this stuff in marketing. <laughs> right. but, but so far, I haven't, but... I kind of hope I will. How is your workflow different with these images than with your normal stuff? I mean, I'm, I'm assuming it's a lot different. Do you end up doing any stuff in the digital realm, or do you mostly play? Yeah, um, I have a Nikon, the cool scan. I guess it's called the 9000 medium format scanner. And so I'll take the film to the lab. They give me back CDs, and I'll give you rolls of film uncut. And from there, I'll input the CDs. I did shoot one or two assignments on black and white so far. So I'll import the CDs, get the client, you know, the same kind of galleries I would I shot digitally. And then when they select the pictures they want, I'll just scan them in, do basic zits, that kind of stuff, do a, maybe levels, something like that. And that's pretty much it. So it's a very simple, you know, procedure except nice. the scanning part. Right. But it actually, the funny thing is, it doesn't. I wouldn't say it's any quicker than basic digital photography, though. It's definitely, takes time to scan it and take out the dust and all that kind of stuff. So. Oh right. So it's a different kind definitely of. Definitely not like quicker. It's just a different time, you know, different thing to spend time on, really. Right. But yeah, overall, obviously, it's easier to scan and do levels than it is a composite. So. Are you doing most of your adjustments in in any particular software, Lightroom or? Um, I, mean, I still just use Bridge and Photoshop. I, I okay. use nothing else. No third party anything. Yeah, especially this black and white stuff. It's just literally maybe curves, levels, save it, sharpen it, export it. Nice. Nice. So yeah, it's it's fun. I I, I like, honestly, if I could uh, just take a break from color for like a year, it'd be amazing. I'd totally do it. But I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> I'll be living on, living on the street with my life. <laughs> like so. you and your camera. <laughs> you see a bum with like four rolls of film and a camera in life. And that's me. <laughs> And some kid walks by with a digital SLR and goes, dude. What the crap, man? You could have shot digital, you'd have a house still. Nah. <laughs> <laughs> go, Do you know who that is? That's Steve Hill, man. Yeah. <laughs> We're talking about some of your black and white stuff. In your personal work, you also have a really cool landscape series. Now, that's a, a bit different than what I'm used to seeing from you, but it, you know, it's very cool. It looks okay. like you've been to some amazing places to shoot. Yeah, mainly just travels. My honeymoon, I went to a bunch of places in Europe. Then we got to go back a year later to Ireland to shoot a band. So those are mainly from that. And then just deserts around here in California. Tons of deserts here. So I've been loving shooting there, Mojave and stuff like that. Nice. But yeah, landscapes are just, that's about as personal as it gets for me. <laughs> I don't plan on booking any landscape shoots, so I wouldn't mind it. But right. I'm not going you know, to wait for the calls from the outdoor magazines or anything. <laughs> Well, I mean, do you think that, you know, with some of your compositing work and stuff like that, do you think that you see yourself, you know, building this collection as, you know, stuff that might possibly show up somewhere else down the road? Um, well, the nice thing about the landscapes I shoot are they're all black and white. So I kind of, you know, I'm stuck with like just enjoying the photo, not using it for a color composite. Um, yeah, I was just curious if you thought this is something that you might uh, kind of be building as a collection to use as possible use later. You know, that's a, a love-hate thing. I went on my honeymoon, actually. I just, just took the like, I just told myself, if I bring digital, send it wreck it, forget it. I'm not going to like look at every location as, you know, how can I rate this in my <laughs> photo work later, you know? Honestly, that's how I look at it. And so I didn't shoot any digital and had a great time. I didn't 
come home regretting, you know, every place I didn't have a digital. Well, then I went to Ireland and brought my digital camera because I had a shoot there. Ended up, you know, shooting 2,000 frames or something a day, ridiculous, just, you know, bracketing every place, shooting panoramas at every single site. I mean, it just went crazy. You know, my wife's sitting in a car like, okay, okay. <laughs> and um, and that, it, honestly, it, it wasn't as fun to be there. But then the, 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 the dang of it all is that you come back and, you know, thank goodness for like this Adventure Girl series. I had Ireland that are climbing the cliffs, and I got to use all those cool cliffs and the sheep and all that stuff to have my digital there. So, all right. You know, it's kind of like it wrecks your trip, but later you're, it's great to have. You're right. So, I don't know. It's a tough call. That is. But yeah, I mean, always I'm thinking, I mean, I should have my digital with me for backgrounds. Always thinking about backgrounds. And uh, I don't know. We'll see if my next trip I'll bring it or not. But <laughs> it, it definitely comes in handy for sure. All that stuff I use. Sometime. Well, in terms of direction for your personal stuff, when you go to set out on a personal project, what is it that motivates you and how do you get these ideas for your personal work? Is it the potential of commercial stuff coming out of it or do you just have these ideas from, you know, that you just want to accomplish? Kind of both. It's, it's funny. I, my photograph and I usually talk about, you know, what I'm missing in the portfolio, what clients that, you know, we'd like to see this, you know, then we can trust them with this kind of shot. So last year I shot this girl who was on this, this track I guess a track, not a field, but a track, asphalt. And uh, we shot that because, you know, we talked about how I just don't have many sports. Lots of guys are getting a huge sport gigs. So I pretty much went out there just for a specific purpose to get a sport shot with a girl, which I don't have many girls either. So, you know, that kind of image is very specific for a purpose. Right. Um, the war stuff as well, you know, we got some clients asking if we had any war images. We said, no, we have cowboys. And they said, well, that doesn't help us. We need actually you know, guys in uniforms, you know, to show our clients. So went out there and shot the war things. You know, it was... Definitely, I can kind of do it how I wanted to, but we definitely did those with a purpose. They kind of showed the video games and, you know, army, stuff like that. That makes sense. And then the last one, the Adventure Girl one, it's kind of funny how it started out. My rep says, you know, you need some more, like, just more sexy pinup type stuff. And I just, it's not me, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I just don't want to do that kind of thing. And so... I think she said something like, well, what if you had like a girl and these typewriters, you know, looking all sexy? And I thought, oh, I can do something with that. I kind of like the, uh, almost like Saving Private Ryan, you know, 1940s feel of that. And so all right. I started planning this, sh- this shoot together, getting the typewriter, getting some of the props. And then the more I thought about it, I kind of, we actually booked the model first. And she was a little younger than we were hoping for, but turned out to be awesome. So then I just kind of started thinking, well, while I'm at it, I can shoot this whole series, you know. I just watched Tomb Raider, so I was like, you know. <laughs> adventure girl, whatever. And so then it was turned in from, you know, she wanted a pinup girl looking sexy next to her office desk. And we got, you know, totally non-sexy, but I guess sexy a little bit, but pretty much, you know, naive young girl on an adventure. So amazing. But she ended up loving it, of course, and now we're using it to promote the heck out of this stuff. But it's just kind of funny how it, the original thought was so different than what it ended up being. Right. So yeah, that's kind of the thought behind those personal projects. I that's guess. great. That makes sense. Do you have more things in mind that you're going after? I've really, since I've been in LA, I want to hit the, you know, TV stuff a lot. I just see poster after poster for new TV shows look just awful. And who the heck are they hiring for this stuff, you know? Not to be vain, but heck, I can at least do that good. And so I really want to, you know, do more celebrity stuff. I've kind of given up hope for Vanity Fairs, Vogue, that kind of stuff. So I really, yeah, I just want to push, you know, big advertising campaigns, whether it's movies, TV posters, big products, that kind of stuff. So Excellent. Kind of, or at least hoping for right now did you i guess you had to find a whole new crew and everything when you moved to la yeah that was actually kind of tough too because i had a group of guys in nashville who are crew slash best friends in a way you know 
So coming out here was I had a couple people I knew word of mouth, people in Nashville, a couple of random people I found online. But, you know, I'm slowly building people out here that I, I trust and can work with. And it's definitely, a, I thought it'd be a lot quicker than it has been, but it's good. We have a little group here that gets together now when we shoot and we have fun. So I can't complain. Excellent. Have you found the market to be a lot different there in terms of, you know, finding a rep and doing all that kind of stuff? Um, well, I have the same rep as I had okay. in Nashville, okay. so that yeah. doesn't change at all. Luckily, she's pretty much down the street. She's in North Hollywood, the Universal City area. Yeah, you know, I, I found out how small Nashville really was when I moved out here. Because, <laughs> but, you know, I saw a lot of, you know, record labels there that were based in Nashville, and even some labels out of town, but kind of used me because I was a Nashville guy. When I came out here, it's like, well, he's gone, so we'll use someone else in Nashville and not hire him anymore. So yeah, I definitely pretty much lost every national client I had in a way. I've had to really rework and have, have meetings out here with people and kind of build relationships out here that I honestly didn't think I would have to do so soon. So right. wow. I was kind of surprised. I guess you take clients for granted sometimes. You know, you think, well, they love me. They'll use me wherever I am. <laughs> it's not the case sometimes. Yeah, that's a good point. It's been really cool catching back up with you. you got some amazing stuff as usual, and it's been fun looking through the new website. And you still have all the, the behind-the-scenes videos, which we know that our, our listeners love. <laughs> so that's Yeah, I like to do that for fans. And just, I know people like that. So I kind of tried to leave all the old ones up there. And there's a couple of videos on there of shoots you'll probably never see the finals of just because the video is way cooler than the shoot ever was. Oh, that's funny. It's really cool to watch you guys work, and it really does give insight into how you, how you go about setting up all your equipment and so forth. So thanks for doing that. Keep it up. <laughs> Yeah, no problem. I'll, I'll try to keep it up. It takes a little bit of time to edit, but usually I try to do it on the airplane or something. So, Well, hey, man. Thanks. It's great catching back up with you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, guys, for calling me and talking. Well, that's all we have for this episode of Light Source, the brightest podcast on the internet. Be sure to check out the show notes for this episode and all the other Light Source episodes at the website studiolighting.net. And you can also send us an email comment at studiolighting at gmail.com when you can send us comments, questions, or just images that you'd like us to see. And if you really want to get involved with some of the other listeners to the show, you can head over to the LightSource Flickr group at www.flickr.com slash groups slash LightSource. You can post your images and get feedback on your photography as well as seeing the things that we're taking pictures of. And as always, if you missed any of these links, our quick outro here, you can find all of that and more at www.studiolighting.net. Till next time. Bye-bye. Check out this show and more great photography podcasts at photocastnetwork.com. Photocastnetwork.com.